Chapter One of Summer on the Lakes in 1843. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Summer on the Lakes in 1843 by Margaret Fuller. Chapter One Niagara, June 10th, 1843 since you are to share with me such footnotes as may be made on the pages of my life during the summer's wanderings i should not be quite silent as to do this magnificent prologue to the as yet unknown drama yet i like others have little to say where the spectacle is for once great enough to fill the whole life and supersede thought giving us only its own presence it is good to be here as the best as the simplest expression that occurs to the mind we have been here eight days and i am quite willing to go away so great a sight soon satisfies machias content with itself and with what is less than itself our desires once realized haunt us again less readily having lived one day we would depart and become worthy to live another we have not been fortunate in weather for there cannot be too much or too warm sunlight for the scene, and the skies have been lowering with cold, unkind winds. My nerves, too much braced up by such an atmosphere, do not bear well the continual stress of sight and sound, for here there is no escape from the weight of a perpetual creation. All other forms and motions come and go. The tide rises and recedes. The wind at its mightiest moves in gales and gusts. But here is really an incessant an indefatigable motion awake or asleep there is no escape still this rushing round you and through you it is in this way i have most felt the grandeur somewhat eternal if not infinite at times a secondary music rises the cataract seems to seize its own rhythm and sing it over again so that the ear and soul are roused by a double vibration there is some effect of the wind causing echoes to the thundering anthem it is very sublime giving the effect of a spiritual repetition through all the spheres when i first came i felt nothing but a quiet satisfaction i found that drawings the panorama etc had given me a clear notion of the position and proportions of all objects here i knew where to look for everything and everything looked as i thought it would Long ago I was looking from a hillside with a friend at one of the finest sunsets that ever enriched this world. A little cowboy trudging along wondered what we could be gazing at. After spying about some time he found it could only be the sunset. In looking too a moment he said approvingly, that sun looks well enough. A speech worthy of Shakespeare's Cloten or the infant Mercury up to everything from the cradle, as you please to take it even such familiarity worthy of jonathan our national hero in a prince's palace or stumping as he boasts to have done up the vatican stairs into the pope's presence in my old boots i felt here it looks really well enough i felt and was inclined as you suggested to give my approbation as to the one object in the world that would not disappoint but all great expression which on a superficial survey seems easy as well as so simple furnishes after a while to the faithful observer its own standard by 
which to appreciate it daily these proportions widened and towered more and more upon my sight and i got at last a proper foreground for these sublime distances before coming away i think i really saw the full wonder of the scene after a while it so drew me into itself as to inspire an undefined dread such as i never knew before such as may be felt when death is about to usher us into a new existence the perpetual trampling of the water seized my senses i felt that no other sound however near could be heard and would start and look behind me for a foe i realized the identity of that mood of nature in which these waters were poured down with such absorbing force with that in which the indian was shaped on the same soil for continually upon my mind came unsought and unwelcome images such as never haunted it before of naked savages stealing behind me with uplifted tomahawks again and again this illusion recurred and even after i had thought it over and tried to shake it off i could not help starting and looking behind me as picture the falls can only be seen from the british side there they are seen in their veils and at sufficient distance to appreciate the magical effects of these and the light and shade from the boat as you cross the effects and contrasts are more melodramatic on the road back from the whirlpool we saw them as a reduced picture with delight but what i liked best was to sit on table rock close to the great fall their old power of observing details all separate consciousness was quite lost once just as i had seated myself there a man came to take his first look he walked close up to the fall and after looking at it a moment with an air as if thinking how he could best appropriate it to his own use he spat into it this trait seemed wholly worthy of an age whose love of utility is such that the prince puckler muscow somehow suggests the probability of men coming to put their bodies of their dead parents in the fields to fertilize them and of a country such as dickens has described but these will not i hope be seen on the historic page to be truly the age or truly the america a little leaven is leavening the whole mass for other bread the whirlpool i like very much it is seen to advantage over the great falls it is so sternly solemn the river cannot look more imperturbable almost sullen in its marble green than it does just below the great fall but the slight circles that mark the hidden vortex seem to whisper mysteries the thundering voice above could not proclaim a meaning as untold as ever it is fearful too to know as you look that whatever has been swallowed by the cataract is like to rise suddenly to light here whether uprooted tree or body of man or bird the rapids enchanted me far beyond what i expected they are so swift that they cease to seem so you can think only of their beauty the fountain beyond the moss islands i discovered for myself and thought it for some time an accidental beauty which it would not do to leave lest i might never see it again after i found it permanent i returned many times to watch the play of its crest in the little waterfall beyond nature seems as she often does to have made a study for some larger design she delights in this a sketch within a sketch a dream within a dream wherever we see it the lines of the great buttress in the fragment of stone the hues of the waterfall copied in the flowers that 
star is bordering mosses we are delighted for all the lineaments become fluent and we mould the scene in congenial thought with its genius people complain of the buildings at niagara and fear to see it further deformed i cannot sympathize with such an apprehension the spectacle is capable to swallow up all such objects they are not seen in the great hole more than an earthworm in the wide field the beautiful wood on goat island is full of flowers many of the fairest love to do homage there the wake robin and may apple are in bloom now the former white pink green purple copying the rainbow of the fall and fit to make a garland for its presiding deity when he walks the land for they are of imperial size and shaped like stones for a diadem of the may apple i did not raise one green tent without finding a flower beneath and now farewell niagara i have seen thee and i think all who come here must in some sort see thee thou art not to be got rid of as easily as the stars i will be here again beneath some flooding july moon and sun owing to the absence of light i have seen the rainbow only two or three times by day the lunar bow not at all however the imperial presence need not its crown though illustrated by it general porter and jack downing were not unsuitable figures here the former heroically planted the bridge by which we crossed to goat island and the wake robin crowned genius has punished his temerity with deafness which must i think have come upon him when he sank the first stone in the rapids jack seemed an acute and entertaining representative of jonathan come to look at his great water privilege he told us all about the americanisms of the spectacle that is to say the battles that have been fought here it seems strange that men could fight in such a place but no temple can still the personal griefs and strifes in the breasts of its visitors no less strange is the fact that in this neighborhood an eagle should be chained for a plaything when a child i used often to stand at a window from which i could see an eagle chained in the balcony of a museum the people used to poke at it with sticks and my childish heart would swell with indignation as i saw their insults and the mien with which they were borne by the monarch bird its eye was dull and its plumage soiled and shabby yet in its form and attitude all the king was visible though sorrowful and dethroned i never saw another till when passing through the notch of the white mountains at that moment striding before us in all the panoply of sunset the driver shouted look there and following with our eyes his upward pointing finger we saw soaring slow and majestic poise above the highest summit the bird of jove it was a glorious sight yet i know not that i felt more on seeing the bird in all its natural freedom and royalty than when imprisoned and insulted he had filled my early thoughts with the byronic silent rages of misanthropy now again i saw him captive and addressed by the vulgar with the language they seemed to find most appropriate to such occasions that of thrusts and blows silently his head averted he ignored their existence as Plotinus or Sophocles might that of a modern reviewer. Probably he listened to the voice of the cataract, and felt that congenial powers flowed free, and was consoled, though his own wing was broken. The story of the recluse of Niagara interested me a little. 
it is wonderful that men do not oftener attach their lives to localities of great beauty that when once deeply penetrated they will let themselves so easily be borne away by the general stream of things to live anywhere and anyhow but there is something ludicrous in being the hermit of a show-place unlike st francis in his mountain bed where none but the stars and rising sun ever saw him there is also a guide to the falls who wears his title labelled on his hat otherwise indeed one might as soon think of asking for a gentleman usher to point out the moon yet why should we wonder at such either when we have commentaries on shakespeare and harmonies of the gospel and now you have the little all i have to write can it interest you to one who has enjoyed the full life of any scene or any hour what thoughts can be recorded about it seem like the commas and semicolons in the paragraph mere stops yet i suppose it is not so to the absent at least i have read things written about niagara music and the like that interested me once i was moved by mr greenwood's remark that he could not realize this marvel till opening his eyes the next morning after he had seen it his doubt as to the possibility of its being still there taught him what he had experienced i remember this now with pleasure though or because it is exactly the opposite to what i myself felt for all greatness affects different minds each in its own particular kind and the variations of testimony mark the truth of a feeling i will add a brief narrative of the experience of another here as being much better than anything i could write because more simple and individual now that i have left this earth wonder and the emotions it excited are past it seems not so much like profanation to analyze my feelings to recall minutely and accurately the effects of this manifestation of the eternal but one should go to such a scene prepared to yield entirely to its influences to forget one's little self and one's little mind to see a miserable worm creep to the brink of this falling world of waters and watch the trembling of its own petty bosom and fancy that this is made alone to act upon him excites derision no pity as i rode up to the neighbourhood of the falls a solemn awe imperceptibly stole over me and the deep sound of the ever hurrying rapids prepared my mind for the lofty emotions to be experienced when i reached the hotel i felt a strange indifference about seeing the aspiration of my life's hopes i lounged about the rooms read the stage bills upon the walls looked over the register and finding the name of an acquaintance sent to see if he was still there what this hesitation arose from i know not perhaps it was a feeling of my unworthiness to enter this temple which nature has erected to its god at last slowly and thoughtfully i walked down to the bridge leading to goat island and when i stood upon this frail support and saw a quarter of a mile of tumbling rushing rapids and heard their everlasting roar my emotions overpowered me a choking sensation rose to my throat a thrill rushed through my veins my blood ran rippling to my fingers ends this was the climax of the effect which the falls produced upon me neither the american nor the british fall moved me as did these rapids for the magnificence the sublimity of the latter i was prepared by descriptions and by paintings 
when i arrived in sight of them i merely felt ah yes here is the fall just as i have seen it in picture when i arrived at the terrapin bridge i expected to be overwhelmed to retire trembling from this giddy eminence and gaze with unlimited wonder and awe upon the immense mass rolling on and on but somehow or other i thought only of comparing the effect on my mind with what i had read and heard i looked for a short time and then with almost a feeling of disappointment turned to go to the other points of view to see if i was not mistaken in not feeling any surpassing emotion at this sight but from the foot of Biddle stairs in the middle of the river and from below the table rock it was still barren barren all and provoked with my stupidity and feeling most moved in the wrong place i turned away to the hotel determined to set off for buffalo that afternoon but the stage did not go and after nightfall as there was a splendid moon i went down to the bridge and leaned over the parapet where the boiling rapids came down in their might it was grand and it was also gorgeous the yellow rays of the moon made the broken waves appear like auburn tresses twining around the black rocks but they did not inspire me as before i felt a foreboding of a mightier emotion to rise up and swallow all others and i passed on to the terrapin bridge everything was changed the misty apparition had taken off its many-coloured crown which it had worn by day and a bow of silvery white spanned its summit the moonlight gave a poetical indefiniteness to the distant parts of the waters and while the rapids were glancing in her beams the river below the falls was black as night save where the reflection of the sky gave it the appearance of a shield of blued steel no gaping tourist loitered eyeing with her glasses or sketching on cards the hoary locks of the ancient river god all tended to harmonize with the natural grandeur of the scene i gazed long i saw how here mutability and unchangeableness were united i surveyed the conspiring waters rushing against the rocky ledge to overthrow it at one mad plunge till like toppling ambition overleaping themselves they fall on to other side expanding into foam ere they reach the deep channel where they creep submissively away then arose in my breast a genuine admiration and a humble adoration of the being who was the architect of this and all happy were the first discoverers of niagara those who could come unawares upon this view and upon that whose feelings were entirely their own with what gusto does father hennepin describe the great downfall of water this vast and prodigious cadence of water which falls down after a surprising and astonishing manner insomuch that the universe does not afford its parallel tis true italy and swedland boast of some such things but we may well say that they be sorry patterns when compared with this of which we do now speak End of chapter 1